listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. What seems like forever ago, we uh, opened up the book of Acts and started uh, a new series in the book of Acts. But it just seems like that... uh, that that was so far ago, and in fact, we jumped in on that on the middle of Memorial Day weekend, so it was just me and Stacy and Al that I was preaching to, and everybody else was gone. No, I wasn't that, quite that bad, but uh, a lot of folks were gone over Memorial Day weekend, so while we were on vacation, I thought, you know what? When we get back, I'm just going to kind of do a reprisal of those first few verses in the book of Acts because the, the verses that we'll find in this first chapter are the key to the entire book. If we don't get these things, these truths down, then we'll miss the big point of the book of Acts. And not only is it the, the key to the book of Acts, but I believe that Acts chapter 1, verses 5, 6, 7, and 8, I believe are actually the second most important truths that you'll find in the entire scripture. In fact, the, I think it comes right behind the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is that, that uh, the God who made us, the God who allowed us to reject him, him, if that was our choice, also made a way to restore us, to redeem us, to bring us back into right relationship through the death and resurrection of God the Son, Jesus Christ, who put on flesh, became as you and me with only one exception, and that is he knew no sin, and yet on his body, he took our sin, paid for it on the cross, was buried and was raised on the third day to to promote, to show, to signify that that sacrifice had been received and that a way was made. Now, how in the world are we going to walk that way that was made? And I think it's found in the book of Acts in the first chapter. And if we miss it, then we'll be trying and trying and trying to do all we can do. And we will find ourselves frustrated and aggravated because we're incapable on our own of doing what God has called us to. But we've not been called to do things on our own. In fact, We've been promised that we have power in order to accomplish all that God has called us to do. So let's look at the book of Acts, chapter number one. We're going to be starting in verse number four. We're going to read all the way through verse number 11. And while staying with them, he being Jesus and them being the disciples, those of his followers that were, that were with him at that time, while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. You remember Jesus after his resurrection stayed, well, I say stayed, he was present on this earth for another 40 days following his resurrection. Now, I don't think that he was bunked up, if you will, with his disciples. Like, I don't think he was hanging with them all the time. It seems as though Jesus would just appear. He would speak to, he would teach, he would encourage, and then he'd be gone. But over a period of 40 days, while he was doing that, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, 
For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. I'll go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. We're going to see what he's talking about in chapter number two. When we get there, it's going to be pretty fantastic what happens in Acts chapter number two. And it's going to change the course of history from then on. Things are going to be different from Acts chapter two all the way to today. But I will tell you this, what was started in Acts chapter 2 is what we are living in today. And then I'll encourage you to come back probably in two weeks to find out just exactly what I mean by that. But this is what he told him. Hang around Jerusalem because not too many days from now, the promise of the Father that the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to baptize you. And the last time we taught this, we explained that the baptism of the Holy Spirit was that process where the Holy Spirit unites us in a very real and supernatural way to the death and resurrection of Jesus. Those who have by faith trusted Jesus actually become connected to him by the work of the Holy Spirit, which we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He said, don't go from Jerusalem because things are about to get interesting. Verse six, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? This was a, a very good question for them to ask. It was very, uh, it, it was not, uh, they weren't being rude. They were being just raw and vulnerable. They're like, okay, you've been crucified. You've come back alive. And it's obvious that death cannot hold you. And it's obvious that the Romans could not defeat you. Okay, so now are you going to set yourself up as king? Are now Is now the time when you're going to establish this kingdom that we've been hearing about through the Psalms and the prophets and the writings and all these things that we've been told and promised? Is now when this is going to happen? There was a, hey, that was a question that was fair game because it sure did look like that the one they tried to destroy, they couldn't and shouldn't he be king? Well, the common answer would have been, well, absolutely. So now can we expect that? And Jesus says, hold on, just, just, just hold on a minute. It's not time for that. He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the father is fixed by his own authority. Listen, I know you guys are excited about what's to come. And I know it looks like now would be a great time for me just to ascend to that throne and drive out Rome and set up Israel and just make all these things. But that's, it's not time for that. It just, just hold on. Those, those things are all, hey, all those things are going to happen. All God's promises, they're going to be fulfilled, but it's not time for that. But, but. While we're waiting on that, but I got some news for you, and that's where we get to verse number eight. But you will receive power. It's it's not time for me to set up the throne. It's not time for me to step into that physical kingship. Let me tell you, Jesus Christ is returning to this earth, and he is going to be king. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess whether they want it to or not. And everyone is going to call him Lord and God. But that's not for now. But for now, you're going to receive power. Well, power? 
What kind of power? You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. That's why it's important for you not to go anywhere. In a few days from now, the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to manifest himself in a new way and he's going to usher in a new thing called the church. And from then on, the church is going to be empowered. We're going to be empowered as us and as us, it's made up of you and me. I'm not going to get power to go use however in the world I want to, but in my connection to us and in our connection to him, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit is going to give us power. Does that mean you get power? Yep. I mean, I get power. Yep. How does we use it? As us, as we're connected to him, we have power to do what? To be my witnesses. Where? Jerusalem. Makes sense. Samaria. Are you sure? Jerusalem, Judea. I'm sorry, Judea. I, I can't go there. Samaria. Are you sure, Lord? Samaria? You know how they feel about us and you know how occasionally we feel about them? Yep, there too. Ends of the earth. Well, I've never been there before. That's okay. I have. I know the way and I'll get you there and you're going to be my witnesses. What does that mean? That means we're going to represent him. That witness means that I'm someone who's qualified to testify in court, having seen with my own eyes, having experienced those things of which I am testifying. Do you solemnly swear to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth will help you, God? Absolutely. Then who is Jesus? I'll tell you who Jesus is because I saw him. I experienced him. You say, well, I've never seen him. Yes, you have. If you've read that eyewitness account, then you've, and if you've experienced what these guys have experienced, then you have every opportunity to be his representatives. And not only do we represent him, but we're called to reflect him. Because how can I represent him if the effect that his life has had on me has not changed me at all? So I got to represent him, but I can only represent him if I reflect him. And he says, I'm going to give you power to do that. Well, what does that mean? That means anything I tell you to do, I'm going to give you the ability to accomplish it well god i can't uh we're gonna stop saying i can't and we but god i you know i'm just not we're gonna stop saying that you don't have what it takes to be what i'm going to give you to do because it has nothing to do with what you got it has to do with the power that I have. So everybody in here who names the name of Jesus, guess what? You're a part of us and we're a part of him and we have been given power to do what? Any blooming thing God tells us to do, we're going to be able to accomplish it. You know why? Because it doesn't have anything to do with what we bring to the table. It's got to do with what he brings to the table. Now, we do have some things at the table that I think God might want us to at least contribute in our attitude. While I was on vacation, I come across, I was just doing some, my reading plan ran, so I ran out. So I've just been trying to figure out, you know, what's my reading going to be? And I'm just kind of, I was stumbling, bumbling all over the place. But I remember that you guys, I told you guys one day when we started the book of Acts, I said, won't y'all go back and read the gospel of Luke? Same author, get used to the characters, that way you'll understand what's going on in in the book of Acts. I thought, well, you know what, why don't I do what I asked them to do? And so I started reading the book of Luke. But I'm reading it kind of slow, like a paragraph at a time 
time and kind of chewing on it. I'm used to kind of reading a chapter here, chapter here, chapter here, chapter here, check the box, I'm done, I'm feeling good about myself. But what I'm wanting to do right now is just kind of take a little bit at the time and just chew on it. And so I came to Luke chapter number five. If you've got your Bibles, you want to go ahead and turn. I came to Luke chapter number five and there's, a, there's an account there with Jesus and Peter. You know, Peter was there in the book of Acts when he said, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come, come upon you and you're going to be my witnesses. And in fact, the first part of the book of Acts, Peter is the one who's doing most of the talking, most of the preaching. But Jesus had his first encounter with Peter in the book of Luke in the chapter, uh, chapter number five. In the first few verses, we see where Peter's kind of introduced to Jesus. And I was chewing on that. And doggone it, if, if we didn't go to church while we were on vacation, my mom and dad's church, and their pastor preached on this subject. And I was listening. I was like, well, how about that? I was going to preach on that at some point in time. And then when I started thinking about this chapter again, this, this passage came back to memory. You see, we are connected to him, and he's called us to be his witnesses. And we go, I don't know how to be his witness. I can't be his witness. God says, you don't have to know how. You don't have to worry about what you can and can't do. I'm going to give you the power. But we still got the things we got. So what do we do with them? I think the book of Luke gives us a little bit of a snapshot of what it looks like for us to become more connected to him as it applies to what we have to employ for his glory. Luke chapter number five, verse number one. Let's just read it. It says, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, being Jesus, to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. That's also the uh, Sea of Galilee. It's a a different uh, word used for that same uh, body of water. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. It would have been common for them to fish during the night, and then they would come in at the end of the night, not rods, they would fish with nets. They would throw nets out, and they would, they would pull those nets, and then they would, they would pull on another rope that would pull the net together like a, like a glad garbage bag would pull it together and then they pull that net up and they would gather the fish when the daytime it was cooler at night the the pastor that preached on this uh uh, passage while we were there in georgia said that that the fish were uh more susceptible to to be caught at night because the water was clear i don't know if that's true or not but sounded good but it certainly was cooler at night and uh, in the daytime it would get hotter and so they would come in they would be done so they'd work at night they were at the third shift and they'd come in in the morning and one of the things they would do is they would wash the nets because if they kept all that seaweed and junk they would deteriorate break down and nets were extremely expensive they needed to take care of them so Jesus came up to the side and everybody was pushing and I mean as far as he was walking he got up to the side of the lake and everybody's pushing up against him and he sees a couple of boats and he sees a fellow washing his net and the Bible says that uh, that he looked at him and he got into one of the boats verse number three he got into one of the boats which was Simon's and he said hey buddy uh, it doesn't say that, but I would imagine in the, you know, it, that, that would have been kind of what Luke was getting. Hey, buddy, um, could you put out a little bit from the land? And he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. So, so get the picture. Jesus is on the, he's by the, he's by the Sea of Galilee and there's just a bunch of folks and he can't preach because everybody's pushing up. Can I get a, you know, and he's just like, I just need some space. So he jumps in the boat and he says, hey, 
buddy, can you push out from the, the land a little bit so that I can have some separation from the people? And so Jesus is now out in the boat, if you will. And if you can imagine, you guys are on the, on the sea, seaside there, and I'm out in the boat, and I'm able to talk because I can get a little bit of space, and I can see everybody, and okay, that's what we're doing. So that's what he did. And he sat out there, and he taught the people. When he had finished speaking, verse 4, he said to Simon, Hey, buddy. No. He said, put out into the deep. Now, see, to put out a little bit from the land, that's no big deal. Yeah, we push out a little bit, and I'm sitting there, and I'm listening. Got front row seats. Awesome. Now he says, okay, I'm done. Amen. Everybody said amen. Okay. Hey, let's, let's go out into the deep. And here it is now daytime. This is not fishing time. And Jesus said, let's, let's, let's put out into the deep, and, uh, and let's let down your nets for a catch. Let's, let's go fish, and you bring your nets, and we'll go fish a while. Well, now Peter was a fisherman. He knew that wasn't the time to fish. He knew that the time to fish was at night, and they had not caught anything, and that, you know, that now's not the time to do that. You're a preacher. I'm a fisherman. You obviously don't know when it's time to fish. And he says, uh, and Simon answered, Master, um, um, we told all night and took nothing. I mean, we're the fishermen here. It's my boat. You see Simon and, and brother on the side. It's my stuff. I know what I'm doing with my stuff. Jesus said, well, let's go out a little far. Peter goes, but you got a pretty big crowd here. So apparently you know what you're doing. And I don't know, maybe there's something to this, but at your word, I'll let down the net. So the Bible says they went out into the deep and I can just imagine Peter's going, took me all morning to fold these things up and I bet you're not going to stay around help me unpack them back up again. But, but at your word, Lord, okay, we'll throw the net over into the water. That's what he did. Verse six, when, verse six and when, they had, when he had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish. So many fish that their nets were breaking. Now guys, I know you've had that feeling before. Those of you who are anglers, you get it, and it's just it's that little bump, bump, and you're like, oh, oh, you know, and and you let out a little line, you know, bump, 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 you know, and you're going, and then once he takes it or she, we don't really care, he or she, but once that fish takes it, what do you do? You, uh, in love and grace, you yank that thing, and it grabs them by the mouth, but I know what you love. When you're reeling, Andy, and, and then all of a sudden it goes, bang, and it goes that way, and it's going against, and you're like, oh, buddy, and that line goes, like that right there, and you're like, please don't break, please don't break, come on, let's get this thing in, because it's a big one. That's how Peter was feeling when he was like, we're not going to catch nothing, but I'm going to throw these out, and then I'm going to be the one that had to fold my nets back up, and then all of a sudden, the boat goes, because the pull and they're pulling. He's like, can I get a hand? I'm assuming one of his buddy, maybe his brother, maybe Andrew was in there with him. Like, can I get a hand here? And they're pulling. And then all of a sudden they're screaming and they signal to the partners in the other boat. Hey boy, I'm figuring it's James and, and John, the sons of thunder. They're probably their partners. And he's like, get over here. And they're like, what? They're swimming out. And the boat's trying to go under and they're pulling and they're yanking. And I imagine Jesus is just sitting back there going, uh-huh. I told you. And they're pulling and they pull the fish in. Verse number eight. Oh, I, you know, I don't want to skip it. Verse seven. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. 
So they've got now two boatloads of fish. And can't you imagine all the folks on the shore are probably going, you could have used my boat. I mean, what? How did that? There they were. Verse number, number eight. When Simon Peter saw it, what did he do? He fell down at Jesus' knees. Why did he do that? Peter knew he was in the presence of somebody unique. Like what has just happened is not natural. What has just happened is supernatural. But I want you to, I want you to understand something. What happened that was supernatural happened in Peter's boat with Peter's net with Peter's brother and his partners being being given to the usage of the Lord the Lord did what Peter and his partners and his brother couldn't do all night long and now they're pulling him in Peter falls to his knees and he says depart from me for I am a sinful man I know that I'm in the present and Peter probably thought this has got to be Messiah at least it's a prophet the likes of which we've not seen in hundreds of years. Depart from me, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished. That word astonished means mind was blown. I have no answer for this. How did this happen? There's no logical sense. They were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Buddy, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Wow. He knows how sinful I am. He's just telling me, don't worry now, you're going to be catching men. I want you to notice what it says in verse 11. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left, say it with me, everything. And what'd they do? They followed him. More fish than they'd ever caught. And they left everything to follow him. There's not a whole lot of stories about myself that I can tell of where I believed God and did this because most of my life has been wading around out there, pushed not too far out from land. But I can tell you one God story in my life. Y'all have heard it, and I'll just tell it again for those of you who may be visiting. 2008, no, 2003, last part of 2002, 2003, I was making more money than I'd ever made selling office supplies in rural Georgia, going back to my hometown of Athens, and they were buying more than I could do. In fact, I was working fewer days a week than I'd ever worked, making more money than I'd ever made. We had just remodeled our house. We had just um, um, made some improvements, and everything was just like it ought to be. And God said, go to seminary. I said, Lord, <laughs> I don't mind going to seminary, but I won't tell Stacy you want us to live. I just literally, I did not want to tell her that. She was a lot more mature than I was. I said, uh, I think God wants, to go, wants us to go to seminary. 
And she said, that, that sounds about right. And that's what we did. And you know, it didn't make any sense whatsoever. And I say that not to go, you know, come by and pat me on. I, I deserve no pats on the back. I tell you that just to say, when we did that, God started a ball rolling in our life that I cannot explain. I can't explain why he let me make more money working fewer days than I'd ever worked because that was a God thing too. I can't explain. I know that God allowed that to happen, but I think God allowed that to happen to get me to a place where I was looking at a couple of boatloads of fish to see if I would be willing to follow him when he said go. And can I tell you something? This is the thing I want you, I don't want you to hear what I did. I want you to hear the truth of this. When we said yes, it was like God just opened the barn door. Not of money, not of, of, of things and, and, and all, the, all the dreams and wonders that we haven't. No, God opened a door to his will. And I was able to go, wow. And at every turn, it was like God was opening up a new box God, God, I don't know what we're going to do. Well, let me open up this box and I'll show you. Oh, okay. Well, now, God, I really don't know what it's going to do. Let me open up this. Well, okay. And so we found ourselves walking down a road where God was just going, look, when you follow me, you don't need or want for anything that I want you to have. I provide what is needed, okay? So what did Peter do? He went, okay, that was good, but he's better. So I'm going to leave them there and I'm going to follow you. And he did that for about three and a half years. Followed him for about three and a half years. And he saw some amazing things. You read the gospels, you're going to see Jesus doing things, taking fish and taking bread and breaking them like enough for, for, for me and Zeus to have. And then all of a sudden Jesus got a hold of it. And then it was enough for all of us to have. And the rest of the churches in Winter Haven and still have about a truckload left over. And he's seeing these kinds of things. People that were blind, able to see people that were lame, picking up their beds and walking. Jesus saying things to the religious leaders that no one would have ever thought to say, but nobody was arguing with him because everybody could recognize this guy knows what he's talking about, even though what he's talking about is making me mad. Peter had seen this and watched this. And in the book of Matthew, Jesus asked the disciples something. He said, who, who do the folks say that I am? And they started going, well, some of them say that you're this, and some of them say you're that, and some of them say they think you're this, and, and John the Baptist come back from dead. He goes, but who do you say I am? And Peter looked at him, he says, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus made an astounding statement. He goes, you're Peter, and on this rock, I'm going to build my church. Okay, well, what does that mean? It means I'm going to build my church. And you know what? The gates of hell won't be able to stand against it. And I imagine Peter and everybody, all the rest of them are kind of looking at them, you know, looking around going, what in the world does that mean? I mean, who is, who is this church he's talking about? And which one of us really want to take on the gates of hell? Because I ain't signing up for that, okay? How in the world are we going to do that? Hold on a minute. Three and a half years, he followed him, saw Jesus do things, saw, heard Jesus say some crazy things. And then, of all things, Jesus gets arrested. Jesus gets arrested, and 
he's taken into custody and he's brought before he's brought before the authorities how many things are, are getting chaotic i thought we were on a roll and now he's he's on trial he's a criminal and 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 folks are trying to pin me down to him and the next thing peter knows he's denied him three times interestingly enough just like jesus said he would no, I don't know. No, I don't know him. Will you quit asking me? I don't know who that man is. And just like Jesus said, the rooster crows, and he realized that what he has just done is the one he had left everything to follow, now he has completely distanced himself from. In the wake of that, the Bible tells us in Luke chapter 22, verse 62, he says, and he went out and wept you know why because he'd blown it the one he had given up everything to follow now he had denied profusely he had blown it it's all over there's nothing left for me to do so he did what any of the rest of us would do john chapter number 21 verse number verse number two Simon Peter, Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the two sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I've blown it. I'm just going to go back to fishing. He had, he had left it. He had left it. He had followed him. He'd seen amazing things. He'd been given amazing promises. And then he denied him. He'd blown it. What did he say? I guess I need to go back to this. That's all I got. I've blown this. I guess it's the only thing I know how to do, so I'm just going to go back fishing. And he said, and they said to him, we'll go with you. They went out, got to the boat. But that night they caught what? Nothing. Now picture the scene. Sun's coming up. These guys are discouraged. Their master's been crucified publicly. Peter's denied him profusely. It's over. It's done. We've blown it. We missed it. And now we ain't caught anything. And we're quite frankly afraid they're going to come looking for us too eventually. Verse number four, just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples didn't know that it was Jesus. So they were far enough away they could, they could see somebody was on the shore, but they didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus said to him, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. No, ain't caught nothing. He said to them, well, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of the fish. Verse number seven, that disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John talking about himself. And John therefore said to Peter, it's the Lord. And I think Peter went, I know. I was there the first time. What did Peter do? Peter heard that it was the Lord. He put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work. 
threw himself into the sea. The other's disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. How'd he get them? I don't know. Don't miss the point. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish. They, it says they ate breakfast. And, and then it goes on in that chapter in verse number 15 that Jesus and Peter are alone. Jesus said to, to Peter, he said, now, Peter. And he, Peter blown it. What did he do? No, I don't know him. No, I don't know him. No, blankety blank, blank, don't know him. He'd blown it. He denied him, and now he's sitting there. And have you ever been in that situation? Now, you have really offended, and now you're face-to-face, and you're just kind of uncomfortable. You know, and Jesus is there with Peter, and he said, Peter, I, got, I have three questions for you. Do you love me more than these? And Peter went, yes, Lord, I love you. Jesus said, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to feed my lambs. Peter's second question is, do you love me more than these? Peter goes, yes, yes, Lord, you you know I love you. He said, okay, then I want you to tend my sheep. Okay. Peter, my last question is this. Do you love me more than these? And Peter goes, Lord, seriously, you know everything. You know that I love you. I can't lie to you. You you know my heart. You knew what I was going to do. Why don't you just get to the point? You knew what I was going to do then. You know my heart now. You know I love you. And Jesus said, all right then. Then I want you to feed my sheep. And I want you to think back to what Jesus had said to Peter originally. You're going to catch men. From now on, you're going to catch men. The idea is, well, they're out there. They need catching because they don't know what we know. He's going to catch men. And then here he says, and then I want, you to, I want you to tend to feed my, lead my sheep, those that have already been caught. You know what that sounds a whole lot like? sounds a whole lot like going to all the world, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and I'll be with you always even to the end of the age. It sounds a whole lot like what we boil down to, go catch men, reach, tend my sheep, teach but, Lord, I've blown it. I know. But I paid for that. Do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Well, get back in the game. You got some reaching to do. You got some teaching to do. Well, how in the world am I going to do that? You ready? You're going to receive power when the Holy Ghost has come on you. You're going to represent me. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, places you couldn't even imagine going. But guess what? If you know Jesus as Savior, you've got access to power. But not to do with it what you want to do with it, but to do with it what he's called you to do. But you know, you still got some stuff. And we're still living in this life. And here's what I think. Here's what I think. I think that there's some here 
that may need to let Jesus in their boat for the very first time. And really probably a better way of saying that is some of us here might need to get into Jesus' boat for the very first time. If you never trusted Jesus as your Savior, you're drowning out in the open sea. And he comes along and he says, you know what? I love you. I died for you. I'm risen in payment secure for you. If you will receive me, I will bring you out of your drowning situation and pull you up into the safety of my boat where you'll be one of my sheep. You'll be one of us who then has power to go represent him. Some of you in here might need to trust Jesus for the very first time. If you've never trusted him, it's just simply recognizing you're a sinner You need salvation, and and, and you need to trust him by faith who died in your place for your sin rose to secure your salvation. Some of you know Jesus as Savior and have never responded to his invitation to push out a little bit from land. You got saved. I'm a Christian. But now what? Jesus says, well, you push out a little bit from land he, he's got a knack of of not jerking you up and dragging you no he says you know what i want you to get in what you got and i want you to with me in it i want you to push out a little bit from land some of you are still on the seashore having never let him in your boat pushed out a little bit just letting him do with you what he wants to do some of you in here have pushed out a little bit from land but you've stayed in the shallow Jesus is inviting you to go out into the deep where it don't make sense you know, we can serve the Lord right here in the confines of our own little holy huddle right here. And it's, it, it'll fulfill all the things that we thought we, we were doing good. We got things that we're doing in the body and, and God's pleased with me. And, and you know what? We're out a little ways from land and you're right. Jesus is in our boat and he's using us to the extent that we're out in the water. But you know what I think he's constantly asking us? Hey, Kevin. I push out a little bit deeper. But Lord, I think I'm deep enough. I know you do. Lord, there's nothing good out there for me. I, I know you think that. I need you to push out there. Well, can't we do it right here in the shallow? No. Not enough water. I want you to push out. Some of you in here, he's been asking you to push out a little further. And you've been going, I can't do that. <laughs> you forget. It ain't about you. It's about him. But you can respond with you. Push out a little bit deeper. Let out your nets. Lord, it ain't time for me to let out my nets. I didn't ask you what time it was. I asked you if you'd be obedient. Put out your net. You know what you find? Exactly what he puts in the net. You know, some of us have been pushed out of way, and we've gone out into the deep, and we've got stories to to tell about how God's done. But he's asking now, okay, but will will you leave all of it behind? And follow me. You see, some of us are, are actually going to be called to leave it behind. The thing that makes most sense, God is going to call us to leave that behind to follow him. He'll make that clear if that's what he wants you to do. But there's no mistaking. You know whether or not that's what he wants you to do. 
Others of us are going to be asked to leave it behind in that I know that that's where I'm going to continue to use you, but that cannot become the focus of your attention. I have to be the focus of attention so that when folks know me, they may know me as this, that, or the other, but they know that Christ comes first, and that's a secondary thing in my life if it's even connected to me. Does that make sense? So some of you know that God wants you to quit it and follow him in a way that doesn't make sense, and some of you know that God wants you to stop focusing on this focus it on him you know i wrote some things down and just so you know there's no kids connection so nobody's gonna be knocking on the door i want you to hear these things okay i want you to hear some of these things that i wrote down some of you need to push out from land some of you need to go out into the deep some of you need to leave it behind in order to follow him and these are just some things that i wrote down that might sound like tangible ways of doing this you know, we got some more Saturate USA, Saturate Polk County packages that need to be distributed out. That sounds like a great way to push out a little bit from land. You know, we're not knocking on a door. We're just hanging it on a doorknob. Just getting the message out about the gospel, getting the message out about this church and our willingness to walk with folks who want to know Jesus. We got some more of those. Maybe God wants you to do that. You know, we got some folks that still need to connect in a life group. I can't do that. I don't, I don't have a connection to that. And you go, well, it's not about what you have or don't have. God wants you to do that. And he put us together, so get connected. Find that. You go, oh, that's deep waters. Guess what? There's power. Get out into that deep. What you're going to find is what he wants you to find. You know, we've got some folks that are life group facilitators that don't know they are because they hadn't volunteered you know we're, we've, we've actually grown a little bit over the past year we, we've got folks that need to join a life group that doesn't yet exist because you're not leading the life group that you've not volunteered to lead yet you go what are you saying i'm saying some of y'all need to leave a life lead a life group means you got to leave the life group to lead a life group because we need more life groups and you just don't realize it that you because you just hadn't volunteered yet but maybe that's a way to push out a little to the deep. The mission needs folks to volunteer. All kinds of opportunities to, to represent and reflect Jesus there. The refuge over there in uh, Inwood, they need some volunteers. Reflect and represent. Life Choice Pregnancy Resource Center needs some folks, don't they, Sandy, to reflect and represent Jesus. We got folks in these places that can get you connected. And all Jesus is saying is just go out to the deep water. You're like, it don't make sense. And he says, I'm going to show you what I'm doing with you. Denison Middle School has kids that need mentors, don't they, Terry? There are other places where kids need folks who know Jesus just to spend some time with them because they got nobody else. Kids Toast need some volunteers for next year. Short-term mission trips need some, play, need some people to get on board. Portugal, Alaska. There's somebody here today that probably needs to just obey the call of God and say, okay, Lord, I will be a missionary right out of this church. Doesn't make any sense. I'm going to go, and I'm going to be the spearhead to the unreached people group. And if it ain't you that's an adult, moms and dads, are we praying that God will raise up one of our kids 
one of our kids that'll go, I'll go. There's some folks out there that don't know Jesus, I'll go. And I'm going to tell you something. That's going to be a hard thing for a parent that thinks that it ought to just all stay right here close to land. But what if God wanted one of ours to leave it all behind and follow him to a dangerous place? Yeah. Some of you might need to plant a church right out of here. Some of you might need to become a foster parent. Some of you might need to adopt a child or some children. Some of you might need to go to that pink table right back there to education first and sign up to host a Chinese exchange student for just a a week or two where you can be a gospel influence on them. And, And I'm thankful for our representative that's here today. She'd love to talk to you about just being a in your own house missionary. Some of you need to join the hospitality team or the restoration team. Some of you need to commit to regularly giving a percentage of your income. Some of you need to push out away from land a little bit and apologize. Some of you need to go out into the deep and grant forgiveness. Bottom line is we got no excuses. You know why? Because you will receive power. When the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you will be my witnesses to represent and to reflect me at home, abroad, where you might not think you can be and far beyond all you could imagine. No excuses. If that's who we are, then that's our call. So let's just do it. What's holding us back? What would hold us back from just stepping into that promise? Let's stand together. We're going to step into it. I noticed that uh, Mr. Steve Morris walked over to the side over here. He's one of our prayer partners. You see where the cross is at right there? Steve would love to pray for you, love to pray with you. If something that we've said, if God's word is spoken to you today and you'd just like for somebody to pray with you, Mr. Steve's going to stand right over there as we're dismissing or even while we're praying. You can just walk right over there. To my right, your left. Steve would love to pray for you. There are others. Ladies, if you say, I don't really want to pray with Mr. Steve, that's okay. We got some ladies that would love to pray with you. And we'll jump down there, they'll see you come. Bottom line is, if you know Jesus as your Savior, no excuse. We got power. Let's step into it. Push out a little way from land. Push out into the deep. Leave it all behind. If we've blown it, let's see the Savior who's waiting to restore us. Let's step into the promises that we have. Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your word. We thank you for what we know to be true. All of us need to hear that the Holy Spirit has brought us into a very real and supernatural union with you through Jesus by faith alone in his death and resurrection. So you've brought us into a a baptismal relationship with you completely connected and then you've empowered us to be and to do whatever you ask and that is to represent you to reflect you and I pray that you'll help us to hear those words to see that there is no excuse that we might push out leave behind follow you expecting mighty things out of you God, I pray that will be the case. I pray for those that may be here that have never trusted Jesus as Savior. May they be so attracted 
to the body. May they be so attracted to the promises that you've given us that they want to trust Jesus today. Have hope, forgiveness, security, and opportunity to be your witnesses while we wait for your son Jesus, our Savior, our King, to return. Because he will. We look forward to that day. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.